Indeed, O oh Lord, we bow before love's power unending, revealed so abundantly in Christ Jesus, the Son of God that did come and become man and showed us how to please the Father and provide the supreme sacrifice that reconciles a sinful world unto a just and holy Creator, and whosoever will may come and avail himself of this salvation, we may choose so in the time, and it is the time of grace, which is today. We humbly pray for thy blessing upon thy word. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to read and meditate with the Lord's help out of the Word of God as found in Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it cannot be subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts of knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I have read up to verse 28. <clears throat> Perhaps the most well-known verse of the Bible is found in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And many that call themselves Christian, they like that verse. They may put it even on stickers or their car or in the room. God gave his son. He loved the world. God is love. People like that part. Even if they don't take serious what else the Bible says. And they miss the whole part that completes the message. When it says that whosoever believeth in him, first of all, and what does it mean to believe in him? 
to believe in him. That involves believing all the things that Jesus said and did, especially when he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye must be born again. They also miss that word there which says, should not perish. They would like to perhaps substitute it and say, they will not perish. And miss also the condition that's tied to it, to eternal life, that they should not perish. And the problem is, in my opinion, is that people just don't seek. They are happy with just some things that they hear, that they like to hear, and they hold on to that. And then the rest of it, they don't ask themselves, what about it? And if no tragedy happens, no malady, they just continue on. They don't even read anymore the Bible, what it has to say. But it doesn't take much for anyone growing up in our time to see that there's something not really right in this world. The things that you hear about that happen, things are just not right. When they hear about a little child suffering and even dying, as it happens now more frequently, it seems, no? they question whether God really is a God of love. Is God really love? Is God really just? Others, they tell themselves, well, yeah, they believe that God is just and merciful and, 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 and loving, and he will not really send anyone to eternal condemnation. But God doesn't send anyone to condemnation. Jesus Christ said the world is condemned already. And men just choose, although they may not cho- cho- think that they are choosing, they are choosing to remain under the condemnation. And, and the malady is that God has provided a, provided a way out of it, and men just are either too lazy, too busy, or just don't like what the Bible says. And we can see that happening more and more, and we heard this morning some of it, you know, that Christianity, because of its claim of the truth, the absolute truth, is being accused of being intolerant. And the atheists, they, they don't want to believe just, but they want to make it, it seems, their, their life's purpose in, in, in hating and pursuing and trying to stamp out anything that is Christianity, anything. And it has happened previously in the history, too. We have the example of the Soviet Union, we have the example of the Third Reich, where they try to suppress all those things, yet the Bible endures, and we can be assured it will endure till the Lord comes. And beyond, he says, though heaven and earth will pass away, my word shall not pass away. 
And the sad thing is that people just don't try to find out. And that ends up being the condemnation because light is come, a way is made, but people, it says, loved darkness rather than light. They don't want to know. Because what little they know, oh, they may not like. And they stay away from it. Now, those that have experienced a true repentance, as we can read in Psalm 51, where David expresses it so well and says, you know, the sacrifices of the Lord are a broken spirit and a contrite heart, and thou, Lord, will not despise. He will not. He assures us he will not despise to him that comes and is at his wit's end, realizes he cannot help himself, realizes that he needs a Savior more than anything else, and applies himself to seek and humbles himself and asks and then obeys. And God gives grace. And God gives grace. And here we have now in chapter 8, Romans, what it is for a soul that has gone through repentance and has received God's forgiveness is at peace with God and as much as possible with everyone else. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And again, we see there are conditions to it. In Christ Jesus, not walking after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And the beautiful verse, that number two, that it says here, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. If you try to understand that verse, maybe... In my understanding, it says, the working of the Spirit has made me free. You know, we see when something is expected to happen a certain way, it's a law. They call it a law of nature. Well, that things fall down. You know, that's how it works. So the, the working of the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law... <clears throat> The working of the law that when you heard it and you did contrary to it, when you disobeyed it, it condemned you. It was sin. And when you ask, sometimes people say, well, you know, I do do the law. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not this and so. Yeah, whoever was able to do the law of God. The law which condemns, the law of sin and death, which we dare not look down upon it because it was very necessary, because man has a propensity to think of himself quite well, and that if if he feels a little bit bad, but he thinks he's not as bad as the next person, says, oh, if he's going to make it to heaven, I for sure. Comparing ourselves and being quite forgiving to the things that we do ourselves. But if we draw close to the light, if we don't love the darkness, the light will reveal abundantly clear how much we fail and how sinful we really are. Given circumstances, given the pressure, given persecution, how would you stand up? 
how would you stand up? There's only one that stood up to the most severest of persecution and pain and suffering, Jesus Christ. But everyone else has fallen short of the glory of God. He has fallen short of the purpose for which he was created. I created man for my glory, the Lord says. And if you have not been for his glory, you have already fallen short. And if you draw near, you will find many more things where you have fallen short and failed and failed. Oh, you may pretend and be quite a good boy, as people thought of myself too. Oh, yes, he's a good boy. Yeah, generally speaking, compared to others, but still was condemned because of sin. Hateful thoughts, anger, malice, disobedience to parents, cheating, lying, hurting, saying unkind words, all those things. When people think of themselves good, that, oh, they are keeping the law, and then then Jesus came along and, and told them, it has been said of old, you know, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate an enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Where would we have been if he had not loved us while we were yet enemies? It says, he who thinks he walks in the truth, let him walk also as he walked, as Jesus Christ walked, and see where you stand. But the working of the spirit of life has, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the working of the law of sin and death, which condemned. There was nothing wrong with the law, but nobody could keep it. And the law never promised anybody life eternal. Nowhere can you find that in the Old Testament. But it says, the just shall live by faith. And it pointed forward to the faith that we need to have in what God, through Christ, has done for us. And what a freedom it is when you can be at peace with that and and the, the word that you read doesn't condemn you anymore. But God put also a safety feature in it. He said, you gotta walk in the spirit. And as soon as you stray from it, you will be convicted your peace will be disturbed. You have to turn back. Thanks be to God that he doesn't just let us go and wait and judge us. No, he's like a loving father that wants to correct his children as soon as they stray in a loving way, make them realize that they have strayed. They need to turn back. And for those that hold that, that God chooses and regardless of what they do, they have life eternal that is a lie. We find so many words even in this chapter <clears throat> when it says, <clears throat> if you live after the flesh, you shall die. It speaks to those that have experienced that there was no condemnation after a true repentance. It says, if you live under the flesh, if you turn to, return to it, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh of the body, you shall live. See, before you experienced a new birth, and if you wanted to do good, you see the struggle in chapter 7, or the previous chapter, how it was. You just could not. 
There's, that, there's no good dwelling in me, and even if I try, if I want to, I can't do it. And I can speak for myself and for many others that have come to that conclusion that we could not do it ourselves. And it had to come to that point. Because if it was ever so little merit for us, we would see that we didn't need God's grace, that we could work it. No. We could not. That's why Jesus Christ has to come. Even the most, the best man, even righteous Job, whom God called righteous, in his generation needed a savior. Needed a savior. And we are called to think spiritually. And to think spiritually, you have to know what the Spirit teaches. And the Word is what the Spirit teaches. The Word of God is God's revealed will for us. And Jesus told his disciples, you don't understand everything now, but when the Spirit of truth comes, whom I shall send, he will teach you, he will remind you. And that's how it works with us. We got to be in the Word we got to be reminded of the word so that when a trial comes along, we can remember and we will remember and know it is the word and not just give in to our feelings, but to do what's right and pleasing aside. And when we do that, that mortifies the flesh. We don't please our natural inclinations. We don't please our, the way we used to please ourselves. Before, there was no struggle. We did what we liked. We enjoyed what we did. But when the light came and revealed what that was and where it headed, then we didn't want any more part of it. And the struggle began. And chapter 7 is, if you look at the chapter 7 in that light, you realize what was happening there. The chapter 7 is not a chapter of somebody that has experienced the true conversion. There's no... He says, I'm under the law. Well, those that are in Christ Jesus are not anymore under the law because Christ is the fulfillment of the law. What the law demanded, Christ did for us. Did for us. And as long as we are in Christ, we are under his protection. God looks to us and sees Christ. It is, I must say and confess, life was easy before my conversion. Simple. I didn't have to please anyone. I didn't have any extreme likes or dislikes or problems to get along with people. People thought I was fine. But I needed to know the truth, and that didn't let me go. Once I converted, yes, there were responsibilities. Now I had to please him. Now the flesh had to be put under my natural inclinations to please myself had to be put under. That's what the Bible calls to mortify, not to let it live, not to let it act out. Mortify the deeds of the body. And that will be as long as we are in this flesh, we will have to do. But life has a purpose now. Life has a purpose. Life has a hope now. You know, the atheists which think they are so good at arguing against uh, God, because they deny him. And if you just, just ask him, says, 
What good thing can you assign unto atheism that it produces? What good thing? No hope. No standard for good and evil. Everybody does what he thinks and, of course, affects others. But with, with Christ, there is hope. There is hope. There is joy. There is fulfillment. There is purpose in life. And then there is eternity with him which I can't quite grasp. I cannot. I don't think anybody really can grasp what a blessedness that will be. You may think of paradise in in ways, but leave it to God. He who created you is able to satisfy you so completely as nobody else, not even your wife, not even your husband, can supply all your needs and give you full satisfaction. No, only God can, and he will. And we know, as the last verse he read, <clears throat> we know that all things work together for good to them that, are, that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And again, we dare not leave out any word there. And those converts that soon are going to make a covenant with God, with a good conscience, Remember that, that all things work together good. If you can believe that, you will be able to face many of the trials. You will be able to endure by his grace that all things work to good. You may not understand it at the time, but if you trust God that he means well with you, if you have experienced his forgiveness, his love, you can trust him, he will see you through. He has called you according to his purpose. And his purpose can be summed up, yes, it is to glorify God, but more specifically is that you become more like Jesus. And that's the joy that Jesus Christ had when he went to the suffering. He said he was willing to suffer those things because of the joy that he saw ahead of bringing many brethren unto glory. Think of it. And think soberly when you see the things that happen in this world and ask yourself, where is it heading? Don't wait for a calamity to strike and then search. Yeah, maybe not too late. You still may be able to, but don't wait for it. It's going to be a tough life. May the Lord bless his word. To him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. I would encourage everyone to keep their eyes open and see what's happening in the world, but not to lose sight of the Bible. Don't get excited by those things and get so fascinated by the end times, but make sure that you're right with your Savior. That's the first and foremost thing, because only he is able to keep us even through those times. Now, when the discussion comes up where this world is heeding, even people that are not church attending and so-called nominal Christians, no. They see things happening and, and they don't like them, but they shrug their shoulders as well. You know, as long as you do my thing. There may come a time when we will not be able to speak openly from this pulpit. You know, we see more and more those that want to hold to the truth, they're accused of intolerance. They will accuse us also of hate mongers, of inciting hate. 
And you can read in the news what happens to those that do that. So let's not take time for granted. In the time of Noah, I don't think everybody was there mocking Noah. There were those perhaps that, well, but they just didn't do anything. If I remember right, the ark was open seven days, and only Noah's family went in. Only Noah's family. What are you waiting for? A soul that I asked once, who I think wants to believe, but is very shy in talking about personal things, and he said, well, do you have all the answers that you need? And he admitted, no. Well, seek the answers that you need, okay, and leave the rest to God. And don't forget to seek where the truth is found in the Word of God. To him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.